It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape and mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people, thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city.org. Good afternoon, KPFK listeners, and to those of you listening to our show on the web. Today is Tuesday, July 19th, 2011. I'm Sarah Harris. Today on Here in the City, we go to the market and we think about the question of loyalty. We'll visit with a longtime employee of one of the biggest grocery chains in the country and ask why the prospects of a grocery worker's strike are remote. The company lost so much money and had so many lawsuits and so many people got fired in management. So I don't think that they want to go that route. And we'll get a member's eye view of a warehouse store that has fared quite well in the recession, in no small part because of its loyal customers. I like it because, you know, the service is good and the quality is good and it's cheap. You know, that's why I like to go here. What we will not talk about on the show today... For the moment, you will still need an alternate, and the alternates continue to move very, very smoothly. We are looking at a wide open Santa Monica Freeway, the 10 between the Pacific. You are listening to Here in the City. I'm Sarah Harris. We'll be right back with a trip to the market. There was cheese, cheese, walking on its knees in the store, in the store. There was cheese, cheese, walking on its knees in the corner grocery store. There were plums, plums, twiddling their thumbs in the store, in the store. There were plums, plums, twiddling their thumbs in the corner grocery store. Ralph's Grocery Company has been a feature of the Southern California landscape since 1873. It started as a family business and by 1999 became the largest holding in the massive Kroger chain of supermarkets and food warehouses. Workers at Ralph's share union dues and rights with the employees of Vons and Albertsons, together the three largest supermarkets here in Southern California. In April, the locals of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union voted to approve a strike against all three chains if the parent companies do not come up with an acceptable benefits and new hire contract. The possibility of a strike has been called remote by both parties, in no small part because bitter memories of the 2003-2004 holiday season strike remain vivid in the minds of workers, shoppers, and store owners. 
that season, when Bond's employees walked out in dispute of contract negotiations, Ralph's locked out its own employees and hired non-union workers to take their place for five long months at great cost to the company. I sat down at the kitchen table with Manuel Tavison and his wife Arlene this weekend over blackberries and hazelnut coffee from Ralph's to talk about Manuel's 30-plus years of working for Ralph's and his memories of how the union and the company handled that long lockout. The company lost so much money and had so many lawsuits and so many people got fired in management. So I don't think that they want to go that route. That was in 2003? 2004. 2004, right? You went on strike in 2003. Three? Mm-hmm, because Karina was born in 2004 and I was right. pregnant. Right. And last time you felt that it would only go like, oh, you know, we go on strike. It only lasts one or two months. And we thought we would be okay. And I still had five more months before the baby was born. And I was on, you were still on strike when she was born in January. Yeah. It forced us to have to go to uh, county for our insurance. What happens when that many employees go on strike? Like, what happens to each of you in the course of a day? What do you do in a day? Well, we strike uh, for four hours, and then, um, you know, we just live our lives the rest of the day and then go back. uh, We strike five days a week, and then we just live our lives like regular uh, everyday life. But striking becomes in itself like a, a job. You're there five days a week doing it. Yeah, it comes like a job, and you get paid for it. Not much, but uh, the the union did help us out a lot because they made our mortgage payments for like two or three months. Yes, they did. They paid three months. Three months of uh, mortgage payments, and they really helped us out. Did they do that for everyone? Uh, not everybody. It depends if you qualify and your circumstances. They basically asked us to come and meet with them when we proposed that, you know, if they could help us out, and they said, just bring all your bills, and we'll take a look at it, and they said, you keep your house running as far as your electric and your gas, and we'll pay for your house. And they they made one lump sum payment, and it was three months. One was late, one was on time, one was ahead. But it gave us that cushion to just keep, because his strike pay was $50 a week, yeah, about 50 bucks a week. It was enough to put groceries, but pay no bills. And so that was at a point where if you hadn't had that support from the union, would you have decided to cross the line? No, I would never do that. I, would, I wouldn't. Some people did. A lot of people did, but I, I would never do it. This is here in the city, and I am here sitting at the kitchen table with Manuel Tavison and his wife, Arlene Tavison. And um, thank you for inviting us to be here and talk to you about working at Ralph's and what it's like to have been on a strike before. Uh, As I understand, you've been on more than one in the past, right? Yes, uh, I've been on two. Uh, The first one was when I first started in 1978. And that only lasted one week, which was, it, it wasn't really anything. But the second one was really devastating to us. In April, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, of which you're a member, correct? Correct. So they had a vote among their membership that they were willing to go on a strike, to walk out essentially if you aren't able to come to an agreement with um, which chains of stores are we talking about? Uh, it's uh, Rouse, Vons, and Albertsons. 
you've worked at Ralph's for how long? Uh, 32 years. What's changed between now and when you started? Well, we've had so many uh, mergers, uh, different companies take us over, and now it's uh, Kroger's, our mother company, and uh, it's a it's a lot different than when Ralph's uh, first started back back uh, when I 32 years ago. It's a big corporation now. Why is it called Ralph's? Do you know it why was, it's called? It was the family Ralph's. The, the family started it, and they started here at downtown. That's where the the first store started, and then uh, it grew and grew, and they got bought out, and uh, now it's a big corporation. And where did you first work when you started in 1978? Uh, I worked at uh, Store 24 on Vernon and Figueroa, uh, near the Coliseum, and um, it was uh, my first uh, experience with in the grocery business. And I learned real quick uh, about the grocery business, and I've been there ever since. Which has been a good a good uh, business to be in. The only problem has been the strikes. What was that like in 1978, being a member of the union? You have to be a member of the union to work. Otherwise, if you don't join the union, you can't work for Ralphs. That's still the same today. Still the same, yes. You, it's mandatory that you. You, you become part of the union. Uh, unions have gotten a lot weaker, and um, uh, hopefully uh, the unions will survive in the future, but it, it doesn't really look good for the unions. So if we look at, um, bring us back to that moment that we were just talking about in 2003, 2004, I remember it really well, like going to, at the time, the Vons on Avenue 26 was a Vons. Now it's a Smart and Final. They sold the store. Um, but there were, uh, that parking lot, what really struck me is, you know, 6 o'clock in the evening when I'd usually go and do my shopping, uh, the parking lot was pretty empty. Like there weren't cars in there. People were not going to shop and crossing that line. Yeah, a lot of people support support uh, uh, the the union and the workers uh, a lot of people have told me uh, even today uh, they come into work uh, to our shop and they say we will support you we won't come in and shop if you go on strike and what is the possibility of going on strike look like so everybody agreed that in April that it's a that they would go on strike if it if necessary but you know here we are in July and, and that hasn't happened yet yeah, they postponed it, I think, another month. And uh, I really doubt that we will go on strike. I think everything will work out. Why do you think it's different now in 2011 than it was in 2003? Because of what the uh, what the companies went through, they really suffered a lot. They really set them back customer-wise and money-wise. Uh, they really got set back. And they don't, I don't think they want to do that again. They lost something like $2 billion between them, right, in five months? Yes. yes. So people support you, and they'll tell you that, like, when they come to um, to the store. Where do you work in Ralph's? What is it that you're doing now? Uh, I work in the dairy deli department, um, the milk, cheese, and uh, cold cuts. And, and uh, people uh, come, and they say that, that uh, they will support us. 
We will not shop there if there's a strike. So the the parent company must know that too, right? Sure, sure they do. How do they know? Well, the media and they know through you know they have so many uh, uh, ways of uh, finding out uh, you know customer uh, the internet you know customers input and they. So that's that's different too now. Like people are much more likely to to answer surveys or to go onto chat rooms and like say, hey, if you do this again, we're going to go to smart and final or fresh and easy there are a lot more options now than there were back in 2003 yeah that's another problem that's a problem too that the company's having a hard time because uh the competition you know they they want to give us a, a a good contract but it's so hard to give us a good contract and compete with other other companies other markets so that is a big problem this is here in the city We'll be back with more memories of the grocery workers' strike and with a trip to Costco in the second half of the show. Manuel Tavison has worked at Ralph's since 1978. He's a union man, and I sat down to talk with him and his wife Arlene, who works as a floor manager at JCPenney without a union contract, about the benefits of being a union member with the remote possibility of a grocery worker's strike on the horizon next month. So often, people who don't work in retail and who just have that experience of, like, going to the store, they see it from their perspective and their end of it, but they really don't think about what what it's like on sort of those off hours. Like our store, it starts, the receivers start at 3 in the morning. So everybody has to come to work to unload all the trucks, and it's such a a fast pace because we have to get the merchandise off the truck on the floor because the customer's always looking for something new and different. And nowadays I don't think the stores can hold too much inventory in their back stock rooms anymore. So that makes the pace of like that cycle different? Mm-hmm. I pretty much have merchandise on my floor, resetting my floors every month. Every couple of weeks, I have to reset the floor completely with new merchandise. Right now, we're getting ready for back to school. So a lot of that merchandise. And we have to be very competitive with our pricing, with our signing, letting the customers know because customers come in, and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the lowest price and what they could get to stretch the dollar that they have. And they'll physically come in, or are they like doing their research before they get there? Oh, we see all the time people on the sales floor with their cell phones. Like that, you go get your cell phone, get your smart barcode, and you click the barcode on the item, and it'll tell you everywhere that item is and what the price is. So they could stand in your store, and they can scan the item, and they could read their phone, and it could tell them two doors down at another store is cheaper. So we have to be very competitive. So, I mean, I have a smart barcode on my uh, 4G, uh, my touch phone, and you could scan a barcode, and it'll tell you where you can find that item and how much it is. So if I've got it for fourteen ninety nine, but another store has it for cheaper, the customer's just going to go over there. Even if it costs some money and gas to go get it, they'll save $2 and drive further. But with sure. the groceries, they probably look at the ads a lot, as they do with ours, too. And I think that's why JCPenney has gotten better, because they're very conscious about the market and the economy and their prices. So we're always having uh, sales, we're always having coupons, and our business keeps on growing. Even yesterday, I saw a lot of people coming in and uh, still shopping. I mean, when we think it's going to be slow, 
as people coming in shopping. So people are still shopping. You just have to give them what they want, and that's a good price for good merchandise. And I think that's why our store does very well. So what's it like? Um, well, which stores have you worked at for uh, Ralph? I mostly worked at the inner city stores. Uh, now uh, I, I work out uh, near Beverly Hills on uh, Pico and Bever- Beverwell. Um, but it's uh, the inner city is uh, a lot, a lot more people, a lot more business in the inner city. Um, I um, I kind of like uh, being out of the inner city. It's uh, a little easier. So, what stores um, in the in the inner city have you have you worked at? What jobs have you done? Um, mostly, I've, I've uh, been a receiver in the warehouse. Uh, I worked at Third in Vermont. I've um, worked at um, Baldwin Hills. Oh yeah, uh, I worked um, on uh, Slauson in uh, Vermont. Yeah. But his main store, he was at 24 years, the first one, right? Yeah. 24 uh, years at his Figueroa, first Vernon right. Is that where you were when the strike happened at Vernon and Figueroa? The first strike, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the Yeah, 78. The second one was at uh, an Inglewood store. So what was that like when um, you'd go in every day for your four-hour shift to, to walk the picket line, uh, you know, just in that neighborhood? What was it like? Mostly it was it was pretty good. Uh, we had a few uh, 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 bad experiences, but it was mostly pretty good. You know, uh, they did a lot of rallies at uh, at different uh, stores. Uh, they did one in Burbank. They did one in San Pedro, and um, uh, we got a lot of support from the Teamsters. We got a lot of support from uh, other unions. Uh, a lot of support from uh, people in the movie. Uh, business what kind of support uh just they were just out at the rallies and and uh you know giving us uh support you know encouragement so the teamsters because even though you're part of the united food and commercial workers union those folks that come with the trucks all the time right to to deliver the merchandise they're teamsters correct so, yeah, what happened to all of the delivery trucks and everything that must have affected, like, way more than just the the stores themselves and, and all the employees of the stores when that strike happened in 2003? Well, what happened, the, the truck drivers would, would drive the, the truck to the location, and then somebody else uh, would have to back the truck in. Because, they, they, yeah, management would have to back the truck in because... Mm-hmm. The Teamsters would not cross our picket line. So they would l- actually get out of their truck before they would cross into Ralph's parking lot. Correct. So management was, was doing the job that you usually would have done, which is the, the inventory and loading and, and stocking. Yes. Yes, the management and then the, the people that they hire to take our positions. So they did hire scabs. They sure did. Were there people you knew who were taking those jobs? Sure, sure. People we knew, people that that uh, worked at other stores. That's why uh, um, there was uh, big problems with uh, uh, legal problems that uh, Ralph's had. Manny, what's the um, what's job stability like in the grocery industry? Well, uh, for me, it's it's good because of my seniority. Uh, I've uh, in the 32 years, I've uh, always worked, uh, except for the war on strike. 
And the check has always been there on Friday, no problem. What about new hires, though, when you see new people coming in and the what they're able to contractually negotiate? Is it at-will hiring or are they on contracts? That's what the big uh, fight is about also, you know, the new hires and their uh, pay scale and their um, benefits. Uh, it's all changing. So uh, but I heard um, that they uh, might buy us out, give us a package to retire, uh, at one point, uh, I don't know how true that is, but there was rumors about a, a package deal to retire with the old timers. So the the really um, beneficial packages that you all have, having worked there over a certain amount of years, um, new people coming in, the companies don't want to offer them those same benefits. Correct. That's that's exactly what it is. If you shop at Costco, you have a membership card with a little photo of yourself on the back, and you may feel like you are in on a best-kept secret. Here in the city, contributor Will Coley sometimes feels like he'd rather keep his membership at Costco a secret, especially when he thinks about how it draws folks into a sort of cult of shopping. So he set out to think about what it is that draws him and others to shop at a store that has proven to be one of the most recession-proof business models. No credit cards, well-paid employees with good benefits, and a CEO who keeps his salary tied to a scale with his workers. So Will asks this question of himself and his fellow community of shoppers. If corporations are considered people under the law, what kind of person would Costco be? And moreover, why do I like him or her so much? I know that these days, corporations are generally persona non grata. There's a cast of characters that I can mention, corporations that are up to nefarious things like ruining the environment, abusing workers, or not paying taxes. But there's a warm place in my heart for Costco. That statement surprises me as much as it must surprise you. And no, I'm not being paid to say this. Many people reduce the appeal of Costco to the fact that Americans love a great deal, but I think it's more than that. So the past few weeks, when I've made my regular visits to my local Costco in Marina del Rey slash Culver City, California, I've been paying attention to the things that I like about the place, thinking about what kind of person it would be. Once you run the gauntlet of finding a parking place, you approach the building on foot. A Costco greeter is positioned at the door and politely asks to see your membership card. There's some research to suggest that Costco really makes its money from these membership dues, $50 to $100 per year per family, and that it sells everything else it costs. But for me, the Costco member, my card allows me entrance to this exclusive space. I belong here, and I'm allowed to enter. So is Costco the owner of an elite country club or gym? But anyone can join Costco. And what I encounter is a no-frills presentation of product specials and electronics. I wonder if that's it. If Costco were a person, would it be like a roadie friend offering you a backstage pass to a green room where goodies await? Most Costcos are laid out the same way, and yes, I've been to more than one. Floor-to-ceiling aisles of food, toiletries and medicine on one side, and household and office supplies on the other. In the middle are waist-high tables of clothing and books. Despite this order, the warehouse has an informal feel. As you enter and explore, you hear the beeping of the forklifts and the rattle of dollies. 
Along the back wall are open freezers for meat and cheese with freezer coolers to the one side. I wonder what sort of person would throw open their refrigerator doors to visitors. I'm on my familiar route picking up deals on mozzarella, fresh fish, jars of artichokes, coffee bean, and wine. Wow, where are those here, those bears? Yeah, they keep $29. $29 for that? Yeah, it's over there in the corner to the one side. They're cute. Yeah, they are. <laughs> At key intersections, employees entice us with nibbles and encourage us to buy the product. It reminds me of a mom and pop deli, not a chain store. Everyone around me is in on this too. We belong to the same thing. I listen to a family debating the best paper plates to buy. A mother and daughter examine eyeglasses. Okay, from a strict social justice perspective, there are some problems with what Costco sells. Sure, there's an impressive array of fruits and vegetables, increasingly more organic options, whatever that means. Even so, familiar junk food like sodas and candy occupy entire aisles. Bottled water is unfortunately a staple for many shoppers. And do we know under what conditions the clothing was made? Truthfully, we all brush this aside as we get wrapped up in the shopping experience, the community of Costco to which we all belong. Do you think there's a community here? Probably. I like it because, you know, the service is good and the quality is good and it's cheap. You know, that's why I like to go here, you know. But does it feel like a home, like, like a familiar place when you come? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. It's like a familiar, it's like a family, you know. At the checkout, a South Asian family gathers with a disbelieving look on their face, perhaps marveling at what they're getting away with buying. As one of the few consumer companies that have done well during the Great Recession, what kind of person is Costco as a corporation? Is he or she looking out for our own best interests by stopping us from spending beyond our means? Why do you think people love Costco, besides it being a great deal? I think it's the sense that you're buying, you're getting more than you're paying for. I think that's what it is. Like how? The volume, you're buying in bulk and volume and you're getting a good deal and a lot of stuff. So if Costco was a person, what kind of person would they be, or who would they be? Hard question, right? That's a difficult question. They'd be a hoarder. Really? Somebody who hoards a lot? Okay. Buys more than they need, and, you know, more than they can use, and stores it. People buy in crazy amounts of bulk, but Costco consumers can only pay with cash or American Express. That means that people are not going into debt to shop. Costco might be selling more than we need, but they're not encouraging us to partake in the national debt addiction to do so. And when chains like Target and Walmart are being sued for labor abuses, Costco employees are reportedly treated well and have good benefits. Is it a good company to work for? Uh, uh, definitely, yeah, the benefits. Really? It's amazing, yeah, and the pay is pretty good, so. Do they treat workers good here? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, the pay, everything is just about right. At the same time, the CEO of the company pays himself a fraction of what other heads of comparable corporations earn. As I leave and another Costco staff person checks my receipt against the items in my cart, I'm left wondering what sort of person would Costco be? I think it's a great uncle or aunt who's unpretentious and fun, who thinks you're not eating enough because you're too skinny and sends you home with a plate of food. You may not agree with his or her politics, but you know they're well-meaning. 
As long as you're part of the family, their house is yours for exploring and discovering good deals. So until corporate personhood is reexamined, Costco is family, warts and all. For Here in the City, I'm Will Coley. And that's it for Here in the City today. Special thanks to Jesse Lerner, Luis Sierra Campos, Tandisizwe Shimurenga, Daniela Gerson, Sabiha Khan, Albert Chacon, Rachel Salmon, Will Coley, Holly Harper, Karen Ness, and to you, our listeners. We will be back next week with more radio realities from the urban landscape. Until then, you can find us on the web at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. I'm Sarah Harris. Signing off. To yapping on. When you go in and out, may you have peace and level and safe. Yes. Be safe. Peace.